You know, one of the greatest gifts is when we realize that Jesus loves us after we realize how we are in our nature without Him. He loves us anyway, doesn't He? What a great and merciful Savior we serve. All right. Usually, whenever we uh, have the Lord's Supper, I try to preach on the elements of the Lord's Supper, or at least to uh, bring out why we uh, do it in the way that we do. There are particulars that we stick to, and a lot of people don't, and uh, a lot of people uh, will feel like and say that does it really matter? Well, we're going to look at that this morning, and uh, I think that it does matter if we have the opportunity to express what Jesus did for us in partaking of the Lord's Supper, the breaking of His body, and the spilling of His blood, the more closely we can replicate Him in what we use and how we use it, I believe the more pleased He will be with our uh, sticking to His way of having the Last Supper as He did with the Twelve Apostles. And we were told to, uh, as often as we drink, to do this so that we don't forget Him. So we won't forget what He's done for us and the depth of it. And so, this morning, uh, to begin with, turn with me to John chapter 6. And I want us to notice, whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, we have bread. And this bread is not sliced. It's broken. Why? And why does that matter? Because God's body was broken, wasn't it? It was broken for us. No, he didn't have any broken bones, but his body was broken for us. Now, we remember the bread that God fed the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. Remember, whatever they needed, he provided. And they called it manna. Well, let's read in John chapter 6. Let's just begin in verse 27. John chapter 6, verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And who is that? It's Jesus Christ, isn't it? That Son of Man, that's who it is. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe on him who he hath sent, Jesus Christ. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, verse 32, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. 
but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. So that manna, it represented the true bread. Who is the true bread? It's the Son of God who came down from heaven to give eternal life by giving up His perfectly lived out life, His perfect body that never knew any sin. Verse 33, For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto Him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. We are allowed to partake of Him because when He quickens us, when He converts us, when He saves us, when He draws us to Himself, He gives us this desire for spiritual bread. And who is the spiritual bread? It's Him, isn't it? Absolutely, it is the Son of God. Verse 35, he said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And in, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. All right. Jesus Christ is the bread. Jesus Christ's body knew no sin. That's how it qualified his body. How his body qualified to hang on the cross for you and for me. None other ever pleased God in the way they lived their life but Him. He was the only sacrifice. And we remember Him whenever we come together and in remembrance of Him we partake of the Lord's Supper. That bread represents Him. The bread itself uh, I use whole wheat flour and a little bit of water. That's it. What's missing? Any salt, any sugar, any leavening, any yeast. None of that is in there. And as we uh, go through the Bible, we see that leaven is, it represents sin and or false doctrine. Remember, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What was he talking about? He was talking about false doctrine mixed in with the Word of God. Man's ideas injected and incorporated. And how did it end up? What was the result of that? Well, they were full of pride and they looked down on everybody else, didn't they? And mistreated everybody else. They actually thought they were perfect and they were walking perfect lives. They didn't see themselves as they truly were. And that is uh, a result 
of allowing mixture of false doctrine into God's Word. The pride of man comes in, doesn't it? Man starts thinking, well, that's up to me if I want to be saved or not. I have authority over my own life. That's simply not true, though, is it? No, God created us. He breathed the breath of life into Adam, and he became a living soul. And that result of God breathing life into him passed down onto every human. We're all going to live forever. There's just two different places to go. That's what matters, isn't it? That we trust in him and what he did for us. All right. So there was no sin in Jesus' body. If crackers is all we had to use, it would be fine. But it isn't. We can get closer than that to representing God's Son's body, can't we? We can. By using a flower that doesn't have impurities in it. Did he have any impurities in him? No. There again, if we didn't have that ability to understand the uh, picture that we have of leaven in a life and even in a body, then it would be different. But we do know that, don't we? And so I feel like it's important to stick to that because it more properly represents the perfect body of the Anointed One of God, Jesus, who gave His life for us. All right. In John six fifty four, see we were almost there, weren't we? All right, John six and verse fifty. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread, verse fifty one which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And he did. So he's talking about himself being the spiritual bread that God has provided. And if we partake of that bread, then we have eternal life with him. Verse 52, The Jews, therefore, that's who he was talking to, strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? There they were looking at the physical side rather than the spiritual side of what the Lord was teaching them. Verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man himself and drink his blood, you had no life in you. Well, that's pretty terrible, isn't it? to think of that physically. But he wasn't teaching physically, was he? He wasn't. He was teaching teaching spiritually. I want us to see that. Whoso eateth my flesh, verse 54, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I dwell in him. Now, The ordinance that we do in remembrance of the Lord, it is just that. It's a remembrance. That bread 
that I backed this morning, it don't turn into flesh. It don't turn into his body. There are people that'll tell you that. No, it's just a representation to remind us. See? It's to remind us. That's why we want to be as careful as possible to duplicate with this bread his body. Bread with no impurities. So what does he mean to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood? It's not physical. It's spiritual. And the meaning is this. We are to partake of him. I used to have some big words I'd put up here about assimilate, masticate, and chew, and all those things. But basically, we partake of him in his word. In his word. John chapter 1, we t- we're told that He is the Word, aren't we? You see, when you're spiritually alive, alive, you realize that His Word is spiritually alive. And when you eat of it or drink of it, partake of it, what you do is you pick up His Word and you seek Him in it. He's there. He's everywhere in this Word. And as you partake of it, just like you're sitting down at the buffet, your body needs certain things. You may or may not, I usually don't know what mine needs, you may or may not know, depending on how well you keep up with your health. But your body partakes of that food and different vitamins, different elements, different minerals that are present in that food do certain things inside your body that you might continue to live. That you might continue to thrive. That your organs will continue to work in this life as you live your life. Take Partaking of God's Word spiritually is the exact same way. It's the exact same way. As you read God's Word, you have a connection with God because you're spiritually alive. You realize this isn't just black words on white pages anymore. Now, it speaks to you. You realize that it was you that He hung on the cross for. It was you that His body was broken for. It was you that He spilled His blood for. That's overwhelming sometimes. Because I know I don't deserve him. But Jesus loves me anyway, doesn't he? He does. What a great, great Savior we have. All right. The bread of God is Jesus. We saw that in John 6, 33. So, what the ordinance of the Lord's Supper is for is for us to solemnly remember what the Lord has done for us. And the effects of what He's done for us. It's not just for today, to get us through today, though He does. It wasn't just for yesterday to get us through yesterday, though it did. No, what He did for us on the cross was eternal. Eternal, see? Oh, what a great Savior. The wine that we use, the blood in His body, again, just like his flesh, never knew any sin. Jesus never did sin. He was never bad, was he? Never. 
His blood was pure. And because we are sinners by nature, we had to be clothed in what He did for us. We can go all the way back to the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, suddenly they realized they didn't have any clothes on. Suddenly they realized that something right and it wasn't right and they felt shameful, didn't they? And they hid. They hid from God and they hid their nakedness from God with fig leaves. And to each other, the fig leaves probably looked pretty good. I can't see you. You can't see me. Maybe God won't see us. Well, God sees right through any human words, doesn't he? He does. But God took a life. That's the first instance that we have of bloodshed. And he took the skins from the animals that he shed the blood of and he covered them with coats of skin. We too are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and in his blood. At the Passover in Egypt, remember the Lord had them go out and get a baby lamb. Read it. It's touching, I'm telling you. A baby lamb and bring it into the house for like a week, eight days or something. You know what happens when you bring a baby into the house of a family? Everybody falls in love with it, doesn't it? Of course. Puppy, kitten, sheep, it don't matter. And then they had to cut its throat. Oh, God loved His Son. But He loved you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to shed His blood for you. We're careful about the wine we use. Would grape juice be okay if it's all we had? Yes. Or if there's someone that it would cause to fall, then, yeah, we would probably make an exception. But if not, that's the closest we can get is wine that doesn't have any chemicals in it, like homemade wine. We use that because we can, and it's close, it more closely represents the blood of Christ than something that has impurities in it. So, turn over now to Luke chapter 22, not too far back from where we were. Luke 22 and verse 7 says, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. What kind of bread? Unleavened. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall be a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there, Make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. We believe that the twelve apostles were the original church. The original church. That's who Jesus called to the supper. That's who Jesus ate the supper with. That's why uh, we practice closed communion. We love for anybody to be here and witness, but we do hold to the members partaking of the Lord's Supper, and that's why. We believe 
that the twelve apostles were the original church. And I'll tell you, being a part of the bride of God is something more special than any any association you could join to be part of the bride of God. Extremely important, isn't it? It is. And we're called to be so. All right. I think we'll stop right there. Praise the Lord that you are here today. And we hope that something has been said and something will be heard that would lift up the name of Jesus Christ in His purity.